Well, hello, and welcome to the Midweek Connection for December the 7th, 2022. We had a great kickoff for Advent this last Sunday as we launched the sermon series from Isaiah chapter 9 titled, What Child Is This? Uh, In response to that question, we looked deeper into the first of four descriptors, specifically Wonderful Counselor. Now this coming Sunday, Pastor Adam is going to lead us in a study of the second descriptor, Mighty God. I look forward to that. Also, we had a great evening of worship and fellowship at our Carols and Coco event. Will did a really great job leading us through many of our favorite sacred Christmas songs. The fellowship was warm and engaging, and the treats were simply awesome. So, A big thanks goes out to all who made this last Sunday's gatherings a joy and a blessing to attend. Well, here are this week's announcements. Number one, this year's birthday offering for Jesus is underway and it's off to a really good start. The recipients of this year's Christmas offering are two local ministries who have a long history in promoting life and supporting women who find themselves with an unwanted pregnancy. Now, as you know, just this year, our Supreme Court struck down the federal governance of the abortion issue and returned the authority concerning this to the states. I praise God for this decision, and I trust that we'll see the states stand up for the unborn and then govern accordingly. Well, that said, ministries like like Ruth Harbor and Agape Pregnancy Center are more valuable to our community than ever. And we believe that God would have us to support their ministries in this, in a tangible financial way. So throughout the month of December, you can designate a special gift to benefit those two ministries. Now, giving to the birthday offering can be made by credit card through the church website by choosing the give selection and then indicating 1200-Christmas offering and also the amount. Or you can use a Christmas offering envelope, or you can use a regular offering envelope simply indicating Christmas offering in the other portion of that envelope. Of course, you can also just use a check by indicating Christmas offering in the memo portion of the check. I believe these two organizations are really worthy, and I ask for your prayerful consideration in supporting them in this Christmas offering. Number two, the men's breakfast is coming up Saturday, December the 17th, and the focus will be on the discipline of purity. Now, I encourage all of our men, both young and older, to join us at 8 a.m. for a great breakfast for fellowship and teaching on this important aspect of a man's life. Number three, Christmas Eve. Now, this year is going to be a little different than other years because Christmas Eve lands on Saturday. Now, our gathering then on Saturday, on Christmas Eve, will be both our Christmas Eve service and also our normal weekly worship gathering. So, those two will be combined. Now, we'll have two services that evening, one at 4 p.m. and one at 6 p.m. We'll have a great musical package that utilizes the beautiful sacred Christmas hymns, And I'll bring the final message in the series, What Child Is This? And that final message will be titled, Prince of Peace. I want to encourage you to 
Pick up some of the invite cards at the west and or east entrances and use them to encourage your friends, family, and neighbors to join you for that special gathering. Now, there will be no service at TMC on that Christmas Sunday morning, but you will receive a link via email that will connect you with a special Christmas greeting and a devotional from me for that day. Finally, number four, parking attendance. Now, lately we've had to talk a lot about parking because, well, things are changing at the church. With our increased attendance on Sunday mornings, we're finding it necessary to have attendance in our parking lot, directing people to open spaces on campus or directing them to the overflow lot to the east. Now, we're wanting to create four teams of three men or women who can be at the three entrances to our parking lot, greeting and directing worshipers as they arrive. I simply cannot overstress how important this has become. So if you are willing, this would be a great way to serve Christ and the church. Now to volunteer or to ask questions, contact Jane Christensen. Her email and her phone number are there on the screen. Please mark them down. Well, that's all I have by way of announcements for this week. Now to our spiritual focus. One of the things that we constantly emphasize at TMC is the necessity to understand context when we're looking at any specific passage of Scripture. If context is ignored, you can bet that in one way or another, the interpretation and or application of a Scripture will, will be off. And in some cases, that could be disastrous. So, kicking off our December series, What Child Is This?, we read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Now, our primary focus is verse 6, and the four descriptors and or titles of the then prophesied Messiah. But those descriptors do not exist on an island to themselves. They're part of a, a bigger narrative, and I want to bring some of that out to you today. So, Isaiah 9 begins with this statement. We read it last week. Remember, verse 1, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. Now clearly, this is informing us of something very negative that has been said prior to chapter 9. And it also forecasts something very positive that will transpire in the future despite the original negative that has been offered. Now, what exactly is the negative that came before chapter 9? And who was the negative comments about? And how does that inform the positive that is yet to come? Well, the book of Isaiah begins by telling the reader that what they're about to read, the entire book, is the result of prophetic visions that Isaiah had that pertained directly to the kingdom of Judah and also to Jerusalem. Now, a quick history. The 12 tribes of Israel became divided after King Solomon, King David's son, died. And Solomon's son, Rehoboam, took the throne. Ten tribes aligned themselves under another man called Jeroboam, not related to Rehoboam, 
and retained the name Israel after the split. They also are referred to in the scripture as the northern kingdom. Two tribes then, Judah and Benjamin, remained loyal to Rehoboam and became known as Judah or the second kingdom. Now Isaiah's ministry was to Judah and in short, the first part of his ministry, chapters 1 through 39, are warnings and pronouncements of judgment against Judah because she had allowed uh, or she had followed uh, the way of Israel and become entrenched in idolatrous worship, not to mention moral depravity, political corruption, and social injustice. The second part of Isaiah's ministry, chapters 40 through 66, is filled with messages of hope centered on the promised Messiah and a work that he would do that would benefit not only Judah, but ultimately uh, Israel and all peoples of the earth. So, when Isaiah writes in chapter 9, verse 1, that the time of darkness and despair will not last forever, it is in the context of his messages of impending judgment upon Judah. Now, chapter 6 records Isaiah's call and commission to be a prophet of God and of God's initial words to him about the ministry he was about to embark on. It will shed light on Isaiah's initial words there in chapter 9. Take note of, of, this, of his call and those initial remarks by the Lord. Isaiah 6, 8 through 13. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, Until their towns are empty, their houses are deserted, and the whole country is a wasteland. Until the Lord has sent everyone away, and the entire land of Israel lies deserted. Even, if even a tenth of a remnant survive, it will be invaded again and burned. But as the terebinth or oak tree leaves a stump when it is cut down, so Israel's stump will be a holy seed. Now there's a lot there, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but it's obvious that God has set himself against his people and that he's about to bring severe judgment upon them. We know that God is a loving, caring God, but in this case, he's not going to draw them. He's not going to woo them. He's not going to seek to soften their hearts, but he's going to allow them to become hardened and confused and deaf and blind to his messages of judgment, lest they repent and be forgiven. As I said, we know that the Lord is merciful. He is full of grace. But let us not delude ourselves into thinking that that is all that he is. He is also filled with wrath and judgment when sin is not confessed and a people or a person refuses to turn in repentance and faith to him. 
And so, in chapter 7, God sends Isaiah to Ahaz, who was king of Judah at this time. The nations of Syria and Israel were plotting together to attack Judah. And this was causing great fear for Ahaz and for the nation of Judah. Now, Isaiah was to tell Ahaz some good news, that the attack would not take place, and that he was not to worry about their threats. Isaiah even told Ahaz that he could ask for a sign from God to confirm that the message was true. But Ahaz refused. He said that he would not put the Lord to the test, so to speak. And this is where that famous passage about the virgin conceiving a son comes in. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 14 through 16. Isaiah said to Ahaz, All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey, meaning he'll be off the bottle, so to speak. For before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will, be both, will, will, will both be deserted. Now this prophecy had a near and a far implication. In the immediate, yes, a young girl would conceive a child in a natural way, and that child would receive a special name. And before he was three years old, the prophecy about these two kings being put by the wayside would come true. But it also had a far implication as an angel of the Lord, most likely Gabriel, brought this similar message to Joseph, Mary's fiancé, using the same wording to announce to him that the long-awaited Messiah was now growing in Mary's womb and soon would be born. Uh, despite the protection God would give to Judah from the plans of Syria and Israel, he nonetheless was going to bring judgment against Judah for her sins and would do it through the king of Assyria who would invade, destroy, and take many captives into exile. So, in short, this is what Isaiah is referring to when he wrote, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. And then he went on from there to give a brief message of hope, as we've seen, concerning the Messiah, who would be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now the hopeful message to Judah and Israel is that God is not through with His people. He will bring a remnant to Himself, and the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will be fully brought forward. But there's a message of hope here for anyone who embraces the Messiah as Savior and Lord. As verse 7 says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. The message for us is that King Jesus is coming again, and when He does, He will ultimately establish His throne and rule over a people where life, not death, prosperity, not lack, righteousness, not wickedness, 
Justice, not injustice, will flourish and the worship of the Lord will be in the hearts of all who live under His rule. Wow! (laughs) All of that from this child to be born and this son given, we now know to be the God-man, Jesus the Christ. I have to ask, is He your Savior? Is He your Lord? Do you have questions about what all of that means? Can we talk? My contact information will be there on the screen as I pray. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this passage, and there's so much there to be unwrapped and to understand. But I hope that this little talk today has helped those who are watching this Midweek Connection to understand the context of this verse that we're digging into, Isaiah 9, 6, a little bit better. Maybe it will cause some of them to go back and dig into this for themselves and learn more about all that is going on around uh, this prophecy that you gave uh, to Isaiah. But Lord, most of all, I pray that we will rejoice in the fact that your son is our wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting Father and He is the Prince of Peace. And may we fall before Him in worship. May we give our lives and our hearts to Him and may we serve Him until the day you bring us across uh, into your presence where we will be for all of eternity. Thank you for the truths of your Word and for the Gospel and its impact in our lives. May we, the Mission Church, be effective in sharing it during this Christmas season, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this Sunday, Pastor Adam brings the second message in the series, What Child Is This? And that message is titled, Mighty God. I hope to see you there. God bless. Have a great week.